Hi and welcome to episode 39 of the This Is Reportage podcast. My name is Alan Law, I'm the founder of This Is Reportage and I'm a wedding photographer too. Excited to be talking to the fab Nicole Esteras today. Based in Mexico, Nicole has won a staggering 12 awards from us, including five story awards and was ranked in our top 50 photographers of 2019. In this episode, Nicole shares all about working with her husband and the benefits of that, tips on submitting to the Story Awards, the pronunciation of reportage, the importance of observation and getting to know people, what happiness is to her, and much more. Hey, Nicole, how are you doing? Hey, good, Alan. How about you? Yeah, all fine, all fine, thanks. Yeah, how how are things with you? Because you're in Mexico, aren't you? What's the weather like with you at the moment? Yeah, so I'm in southern Mexico in the state of Oaxaca. Um, the weather is nice right now. Beautiful day so far. We'll probably have some rain in the afternoon. Okay, cool. It's and I'm in not very sunny England, which has been raining yeah. all day. But <laughs> oh man, how long does it rain for? Is it, it like also a summer? Um, yes, I think we've had our summer because we had we had one right. day of sunshine in in June, and now it's just been rainy oh. every other day. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> Have you ever been over? Have you ever been over to to England? I haven't actually. My husband, he was there. He had a he did an artist residency there in 2015. So he uh-huh. was there for a couple months. He was out in the countryside though, and I think I, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, but it's Sinister or something like that. Oh, I do you know um, what I think I pronounce it incorrectly as well. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, because I was like, I don't even think I ever figured out how to pronounce it correctly where he was. But he was out in the countryside for a residency, um, an artist residency for like two months, living out there, and then he was traveling a bit. He was in London. Um, and then I don't remember where else he went. Um, but no, I, I personally haven't been there. I'd love to someday. I have some really close friends of mine who I actually met in Oaxaca are from London, though. Oh, um, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, you yeah. should come over one day. And I need to go to Mexico. I'd, lo- I'd love to go to Mexico. Never been. Oh, that's best. I'm biased, but you should <laughs> come to Mexico. It's awesome. There's so much, you know, like um, so much to see and do. It's, it's a beautiful country. Oh, I need to come someday. And you mentioned your husband there, which um, I think you shoot with him, don't you? Um, yeah. So how yeah, did that exactly. how did that happen? How did you come to work together? You know, do you have like separate, distinct roles on the day? You know, do you ever argue or disagree? Yeah. How how did that happen? Yeah, those are all great questions. Um, <laughs> so we both um, started out in in documentary photography and not in the context of nonprofits. So we were oh. doing documentation of the work that they were doing um, in Nayarit first, in the state of Nayarit and Jalisco, and then on the coast, uh, the west coast. Um, and then we moved back to Oaxaca. We were both working in nonprofits as well, documenting the programs that they were implementing throughout Oaxaca, and mostly in rural communities, um, some indigenous communities, and then sometimes in the central valleys of Oaxaca. Um, and so we were documenting a lot for their website, for their communications uh, material, and then also for funding for grants that we would get for certain projects. Um, So obviously in that context, you have to show the foundation that's giving you money or the government entity that's giving you money to implement the project. You have to show what's happening and it can't be posed after your life. So that's kind of how we got started in that area. And I started uh, photographing during that time. I was I really wanted to start photographing weddings. Um, I had some contacts and friends who I'd met in Nayeri who photographed weddings and 
I really was intrigued by it. And so I just wrote a bunch, well, not a bunch, three photographers in Oaxaca at the time. This was 2012. And I wrote them and I asked if I could second shoot. And then two of them responded and said yes. And so they took me on. And um, I learned a lot about, at the, at the time, Roque was still working. My husband's name is Roque. Um, he was working in the nonprofit um, sector still for a while after that. And then we started shooting together full time in like 2000. 16 i believe okay pretty cool. much full-time right. yeah recent yeah it's almost and, four uh, years that's not long and yeah how yeah. do you how yeah. do you find working together you know i, I love my wife daily but i just i can't yeah. imagine we're shooting together what, what's it like yeah um it's you know it's a process and it's been actually a really fascinating process because uh, apart from the the actual work itself of photography there's a lot of psychology that goes into that right um dynamics communication um patience understanding and also just seeing you know generally speaking as human beings when we're triggered by something whether it be our spouse or whether it be something going on in a wedding um we'll definitely we'll, we'll generally react or take it out on, if you will, um, to the person with the person closest to us. So it's it's a it's a monitoring of um, oneself. But overall, I think we found a good rhythm. I think it definitely took like a good year to like learn how to communicate in that context, or when we get stressed, like realize like it's not the other, it's not my spouse's problem that I'm stressed, right? Yeah. Um, and they were there to support each other, not to make things more difficult. Um, but I would say we have a really solid rhythm from for the last like maybe three years. Um, okay that's cool it's obviously working really well for you do do you have like yeah. dis distinct roles on the day itself is like one of you do bride prep or do groom prep or do you just go with the flow or how, how do you approach that yeah generally speaking I'll do bride actually every wedding up to this point I do uh the bride getting ready and Roque does the, the groom um and then from there we just we kind of now we've we've really developed a nice rhythm where after that, in Mexico, there's often a first look. I don't know if that's common um, in your weddings. Oh, yeah, it's but not. Hear, I mean, very, very no. occasionally, but yeah. Yeah, here it's really common because we have a, quite a long wedding day. Uh, in the States, we actually don't have it as much either. But here we have a really um, long wedding day. And so generally they'll do like getting ready first look. Uh, I would say like 90% of the time, a first look. And so from the first look on, we kind of don't even have to speak. We know where we need to be. If one person's here, then the other person needs to be there. And then the rest, the, the the day goes on like that. So like, but also in the ceremony, for example, I'm a lot smaller. He's like tall and big, and so he will stay like photographing context and guests more, and I will get up close because I can crouch down and not be as noticeable. <laughs> That's handy to have that kind of difference yeah. in size, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has benefits. <laughs> <laughs> and then, how do you handle the kind of post production side? Does does one of you do the calling and the other one do the editing, or do you both do the editing and things? Yes, yeah, so, so I do all the post, um, and I'm, I I enjoy the calling a bit, the editing not so much. But I'm finding, you know, I, I think it's been a constant work again, like a psychological process of of learning to accept and enjoy it, and find find the peace and rhythm with within that within the editing. I do the I love the calling personally. I love finding the photos. Oh, do you like, really? Oh yeah. wow, that's amazing. <laughs> the culling for me is like oh the worst, the worst. Yeah, it's so long, right? It's such yeah. a process. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I quite enjoy it. And then and and the reason for that is because Roque is also a painter and a printmaker, so he has a studio here in Oaxaca. So he uh -huh. photographs, but his his like 
primary passion would be painting and printworking. So he also has to do his work and, you know, he has, um, in Garagos, what would be the word for that? Uh, commissions. He has commission work and does some illustration work. So he also does that. And I, I also like like to have my own space. I think if we did everything like 50-50 or work together in every aspect of our wedding um, work, I think that would be a little bit much. <laughs> mm, that's true. <laughs> yeah, a little separate is nice. Yes, I get that totally. <laughs> and you, you mentioned there about his fine art and you mentioned psychology. And I think on your profile, you say you, you say your backgrounds are in psychology and fine art and that right. they both they both complement your photography work, which I can totally understand. Yeah. Can you can you tell us about that then your backgrounds and how that does complement your photography? Yeah. So Roque, he studied uh, fine arts here in Oaxaca. So that's what his degree is in. And he's taught art in schools in different areas of Mexico, uh, private classes as well. Okay. And then, but now he mostly just uh, paints, does uh, oil painting and um, woodcut printing. And then yeah. the other one, I don't know how to pronounce in English, but it's called, um, lit, lit, I guess, lit, litographs, maybe. Oh, I think I've heard <laughs> um, that, but I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, so the different types of prints. Um, Oaxaca is yeah. quite known for their print work. Uh, for yeah. art in general, there's a lot of art, street art, uh, resistance type artwork, uh, revolutionary, if you will, artwork um, in terms of the message that's being presented through through the art. And so he, he doesn't go so much in that genre. He would do more landscape. Um, he does do some like realism, I think is the proper word. I'm not sure. I'm not completely literate in the art, in the <laughs> painting art world. No me, no <laughs> me. <vocabulary. laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he does a lot of that. And so, he, so I think that compositionally, like he learned composition through painting, right? right? And and I think he's been able to apply that interesting way and, and the way he sees colors is quite interesting as well. Okay. And then for me, from the psychology background, I studied uh, psychology, my degrees in psychology and holistic health. Um, and I studied in San Francisco. And so psychology, of course, is helpful, I think, for any, any area that anyone works in and just life in general. Mm, um, so but it's definitely, it's definitely helped uh, help me. And I think Roque, too, because I, I don't stop talking about it. So he's <laughs> learned a lot through, through that, too. And just his own, you know, process, if you will, um, mm, of, of cool. self-discovery. Mm. Yeah, so we actually it's what we when we we've only given two workshops, but the two workshops we gave and we did a presentation at a conference in Chile and we kind of developed our whole idea of what we do around around psychology and um, and integrating that in into photography and how it can be used as a tool within the context of the work we do. So it's definitely an integral part of of our work. Yeah, and I can totally understand that as well. And you mentioned the workshop there. How how did the workshops go? Did you did you get do you get nervous course. doing that kind of thing or not? I was super nervous the first one. Yeah, we did it here actually. So they invited us. I don't know if you've heard of um, the conference Magia. It's in Chile. Um, I don't know. It's uh, by Paula Paz. She it's it's a it's a small conference in um, Concepcion, Chile. And so we went um, in 2019 February. It was in the beginning of February. And it was really cool. Before we did that, um, in December of 2018, we did a workshop here to practice because we'd never done anything like that. <laughs> and yeah. kind of test out if the material we were putting together and our theory of conscious photography was, you know, even interesting at all and, and get feedback. So we, our first workshop was great. We had 20 people from different places wow. in Mexico, mostly from southern and central Mexico. And so that was really fun. It was two days and enjoyed that. And then in Chile, it was just one day and it was a full like 12 hour day. And wow. then 12 hours, um, 12 hour day. That's and, mental. 
Um, so yeah, the Chile workshop was 12 hours. So that was intense because we had actually arrived that the night before we got into the hotel at like one in the morning and then we woke up at six and gave a workshop from eight to eight. <laughs> <laughs> that is hard to be, even just to be, yeah. even just to be talking for that long is, 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 is strenuous, yeah. but to be that the the extra stress of feeling like you because you really want to give something a value don't you when you do a workshop it's like really important so it's pretty stressful yeah yeah I definitely had those moments but also I feel like it's really exciting like you know because what I realized uh the first time we talked was I was definitely nervous the first time and I was and then I realized through the process like oh I really know what I'm talking about you know (laughs) and so it felt really good to be able to share something I'm passionate about and realize at the same time that I really understood what I was what I was sharing you know that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Cool. Um, and before COVID hit then, what, what was a typical wedding season like for you? Because I think you shoot a mix between Oaxaca and Mexico and also in California. Is that right? Yeah, I shoot sometimes in California, but pretty rarely, mostly throughout Mexico. Okay. Um, and our, our wedding season, I wouldn't even say we have a season. Like we definitely have a time where there's more weddings, which would be the winter months here, which are from October, late October until end of March. Um, and then summer months we have rain so from like May-ish till uh, early October we have rain so there's less weddings but we still have weddings so I was I mean a typical season we're shooting around we try and keep it at 25 a year and otherwise we took a couple more one year and it was just in terms of editing I was just uh, overwhelmed (laughs) so uh, we we decided to kind of try and keep it at 25 and so this year we had it's a great number. Yeah, it's great. I could even bring it down to like 20 sometime in the future, maybe in a couple of years after um, after COVID recuperation happens. But How has it been for you with COVID at the moment? What's what's the situation like in Mexico? Can you even do weddings yet or what's what's going yeah, on? No, we can't do weddings yet. We're, the country is still mostly in like high in high alert, but coming down. So we've been basically home since uh, mid-March or maybe like around the 20th. I think we stopped going out and everything started closing. And we've gone out, you know, every once in a while to the grocery store or like I do some, I have a couple of photography projects that I shoot from our our VW bug. So we've done that, but like places like Oaxaca is totally shut down. And especially the centro, the historic center of, of the city is totally closed. There's like, you can get to go, but you can't like go in. There's nothing, no restaurants open, no hotels uh, open. Okay. Right. And how's it's it been? It's been challenging. Yeah, I bet. In terms of your wedding bookings and things, have you been able to postpone and, and stuff to later on? Yeah, we've been able to postpone. So far, we haven't had any cancellations. We've just had That's postponements cool. all for next year so far. Uh, we have three that... Um, supposedly are going to happen this year. So we shot seven and we have, we've had to postpone or reschedule 20. So we had 27 oh, wow. left. We that's shot a seven lot to postpone. And... Yeah, that's good. Yeah, They've done the seven. That's so many to postpone. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. It was intense. So we, we had, uh, in the beginning, I would say like the first, when the postponement started happening, it became, it felt a little bit overwhelming. I really had to like check myself and, and find my center and uh, work from that space. Um, a lot of like breathing activities and just, you know, bringing myself to a, to a balanced space where, where you can uh, go into each, each postponement. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions and what happens if this? And mm-hmm. we added some things to our contract. To, to be a little bit more flexible for our clients but also you know maintain our security 
in terms of being offering a service, providing a service, and and yeah, it's it's been it's been challenging, but we've been able to postpone almost all of them. So now I kind of have a sense of relief, and then we just have a couple that might happen this winter. Okay, uh, we'll cool. see what what happens. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's all you've been able to postpone. How did you feel yeah. when when you when you realized the enormous you know impact of it? I'm I'm just thinking with me. I mean, I I went such, through such a roller coaster of emotions, and it did hit me hard at one yeah. point, especially in my family. You know, I was just think, how yeah. did you how did you feel? How did you how did you cope? You know. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really emotional, like triggery situation. I mean, I think we all have a lot of fear around secu- around economic security. Of course, it's a very rational fear to have, but at the same time, when that fear is prolonged, and we have, uh, you know, the expression of fear is, is anxiety, and so when we have that prolonged fear and prolonged anxiety, we it, it can really affect our mental health and our physical health. When when we have uh, high levels of stress in our body and anxiety, we have a lot of hormones that are circulating that can weaken our immune system which doesn't help the situation you know when you're mm. when you're trying to be healthy as well in the context of everything that's going on in the pandemic um i definitely had a lot of roller coasters as well you know a lot of feeling okay this is good i got this i can do this and then moments mm. of just like feeling overwhelmed and mm. and having to you know let myself feel that so yeah i mean i think it was definitely a roller coaster for sure and I think it still is, but it's like less intense now, right? Because it's becoming like a new normal in a lot of ways. So like That's we're true. adapting. Humans yeah. are very adaptable. <laughs> that is true, isn't it? It is true. And yeah, and things are easing a bit. And I guess we'll just see. And hopefully next year will be be a bumper year as well. And yeah. And and yeah. for me personally, how about, it's given me... How about yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I went through. Yeah, when it when I initially realized the huge, the huge, devastating impact on everything, it was emotional yeah. for a bit and things. But then uh, there have been benefits in terms of time to focus on other things, you know. And and it has been yeah. lovely being at home with my kids a lot more. So there have been some good sides that definitely have. Um, yeah, you mentioned yeah, earlier I on. Totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah yeah definitely it's all it's and it's going to be okay I'm feeling positive at the moment it's all good it's all good yes exactly <laughs> um you mentioned earlier on there about your VW bug yep I can't even say the word your yeah. VW bug yeah. which is cool I saw yeah. a photo of it I think on your website as well that's cool have you been able yeah. to be going out and about in in that at the moment do you when COVID wasn't around did you do you travel a lot in that and yeah, that's actually the only car we have. So um, we we do travel. We don't we don't go long distances. We travel throughout the state of Oaxaca. So Oaxaca has uh, central valleys. It has the Sierra, and then it has the coast as well. So we tend to love to spend time in the in the different in the north northern Sierras and the southern Sierras, and then we also love going to the coast. And so we drive our bug there everywhere. We go really slow, of course. It takes a little <laughs> bit longer to get everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's not the safest car in the world. But yeah, we love it. It's just the two of us and our dogs, so we oh, fit cool. uh, perfectly. And yeah, but I've been doing so when everything started, I just felt like I need to photograph something. I have a tendency to be uh, have a quite active mind, and I think that's reflected in, in my behavior as well. Like I I, I like to do things, right. and so I was like wanted a project, and so I started photographing my friends in quarantine from our bug. From our um, VW bug cool. when quarantine started here. 
so yeah, it was a big challenge, like finding ways different, you know, the first couple ones were like pretty easy. And then I was like, I'm in the passenger seat, Rocco's in the driver's seat. And it's just like, and our, and our dogs are in the back seat. So I would try and integrate them to create a more interesting composition. But there's only so much you can do when you're parked in a small car <laughs> compositionally. So that's been, it's been a good challenge just to push myself to, to be creative and, and see cool. things differently. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then from there also, so that was one project, and the other one was photographing a 10-block radius of the Centro Historico from our car. So Rocket drives and I photograph. Just to kind of see the change over time, it was interesting. There were quite a few of the same people that I would see over and over again. And I would like to bring them prints when this is all done. That would be cool if if I can find them. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's been a fun process. Oh, that's really cool. And just the VW bug in general, it just sounds really romantic. You two just like, you know, in a kind of like road road trip kind of like, it's, it just sounds cool. I think it's a cool, yeah, yeah. cool thing to do. Cool. Let's change tack slightly. Um, yeah. Let's go on to, do you, are you a Netflix fan or other streaming TV series fan? Are you, are you, yeah. You watching anything good at the moment? We, try to, we go in and out um, of Netflix, I feel like. Uh, we we just started watching this series called Dark. It's like a sci-fi oh, series. I absolutely love good. Dark. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I think I thought I thought it was at the beginning. I was like, took me a second to like get it. I felt like it was a little bit hard to like understand what was going on. And then all of a sudden, like we got it, and we like watched the first season in like two nights. You know? yeah, the, um, uh, the third, the final series came out yesterday, actually. I heard that, yeah. So we're excited. We're like, yes, we have something to watch. But we just finished watching before that Mr. Robot, which is like one of my all-time favorites. It's oh, it's phenomenal. Awesome. I highly recommend that. It's on it's on Amazon. It's uh, uh it's a brilliant. I mean, compositionally, it's just mind blowing and beautiful, beautiful photography. And just also the storyline is kind. There's some kind of some parallels to the world situation right now. <laughs> oh really? Oh okay. But, cool. Interesting, but it's it's a really good show. But we also watched on Netflix um, a film recently. I think it's called Ya No Estoy Aquí. Um, I'm not sure in English. And it's a really great film um, about uh, a young man in northern Mexico. And it's just an interesting story. It's just kind of like a story of a life of life, you know, of one person's life. And it's it's really it was really well done. I also really enjoyed the photography in that, and just kind of. I think it's like hard to do uh, a narrative with just without like a huge climax, you know, it's kind of just like a, a day in the life, if you will. Uh, but of course, it's not just one day. It's so it's, it's a portrait of, of this of this gentleman's life. So, yeah, I recommend that one. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> Names. Always yeah, yeah exactly cool oh that sounds good let's check that out cool and with you mentioning dark as well there um a random question but kind of linked to dark if if you had a time machine or an apparatus uh, um what time past or future would you like to travel to Oh, good question. Um, yeah, that's definitely related to dark (laughs) (laughs) that's a good segue um I would say, I don't know, you know, I really got to say the other day I was just thinking about the days when I first came to Mexico and I was just traveling, you know, just without a worry in the world. Just And just I remember driving to the coast in Oaxaca and you just get in the back of a colectivo, like a, a shared transportation truck. And you're just yeah. sitting in. They take you from like this little town near the coast to out to the beach. And the, those are some of the moments that I look back on with a lot of uh, nostalgia and 
Uh, and good feelings. So maybe like going back to that just for a little bit, maybe like half hour. <laughs> that's, that's nice. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Where did you where did you actually grow up then? Where, where, where did you grow up originally? Yes, I'm from California, from a place called Santa Cruz. It's about an hour and a half south of San Francisco okay. on the coast. So it's like the central coast, northern California, people uh, say both. And yeah, it's a small beach town, so very known for their surfing. I don't know if you've heard of Mavericks, but it's like a huge wave. Um, All right, no, I don't know. But it sounds, like, you know, yeah. I, I live in Cornwall in England yeah. where people surf, but I've never surfed, ever, never surfed. It ever. must be cold there, no? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to go in the water ever, not even in a wetsuit. No, I don't. <laughs> Do you like yeah, the water? Are you in it? Off? Do you live near the coast where, where you are? No, I don't yeah. live near the coast. Like Oaxaca is actually super close to the coast. I think we're only, oh, I don't want to get this wrong, but um i guess i'll do it in hours because i know how much time it is in terms of intent instead of distance we're only about if there was a direct road to the coast from oaxaca city it would be about a two and a half three hour drive but oh, because okay. the road to get there is two lane winding highway you go all the way through the central valleys and then you go up through the north, southern sierra and then you come down to the coast and so because it's such a windy road it's about seven six and six and a half seven hours Oh, okay. That's a fair way. That's a fair way. Yeah, but it's an incredible coast. It's it's not like big hotels or anything. It's really like small, like bungalow, small hotels, like max two stories, you know. Okay, cool. So you can't really build much higher here in Oaxaca because of uh, earthquakes. So we oh. have, we're a seismic, seismic area. We actually just had an earthquake on Tuesday. Oh, really? <laughs> that was oh. intense. Wow. Do you, get them quite... Do you get them quite often then? Um, the last big one we had was 2017 in September, I believe it was, uh, and that was also seven point. Oh, I don't remember. I don't want to miss misstate, but I was in the sevens, so it was big, and that one caused a lot of damage in the East Mo region, the Isthmus of Oaxaca. Um, and this one didn't cause as much damage. This one, the epicenter was in Huatulco, which is a coastal town. Uh, there, there was some damage in Oaxaca City. Here, we felt it really strong. But there wasn't much damage. In Oaxaca City, you can only build a certain height. I think two, three stories. Two stories, I think, is it? Is the max you can build because of that. Wow, that's really interesting. You know, I've never even thought about that, how they'd have kind of limits on stories and things. Wow, mad. Oh, yeah, we don't really get them very often in in Cornwall. I have to say, we really Do you don't. Have them at all? No, we don't. know. we're lucky yeah. that way. I think that's. I, think, I guess a good thing about England, you know, we don't get very hot weather, but then it's very temperate. You know, you don't get really cold weather, and we don't. You know, it's right. very just kind of just on a level. I think, which I quite like. It's yeah. quite nice. Yeah. Um, so let's go. Let's go back to your photography, which is obviously awesome, and you've won five story awards, which is amazing, um, and and you and you've won reportage awards as well. But the story awards specifically, do you have any tips for people submitting to our stories? You know what? What do you think is key to capturing? You know, so much so well, which is what you do. You know, that's what story awards are, are awarding. Yeah, Story Awards are my favorite awards, to be honest, <laughs> of all of them, of all that exists. Every time I see them, I'm like, yes, I mean, yeah, um, tips in terms of what to submit. I think that, like, you know, because some of the awards, the last two that, that we won, actually, the photos were for both Roque and I, now that we're both in in the, I don't know how you call it, the, the profile <laughs> together. Yes. Yeah, cool, no, that's cool. Together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, I don't know, you know, I, th- I think that, 
I can't really put it into the words what I've chosen, but like the, the New York wedding, that one I submitted, I think I've submitted like four times before it won. And every time I kind of switched out photos and I started to see like, oh, it's not the typical epic photo that needs to be in the story because that doesn't connect the story correctly. Right. So I kind of had to go back and like refresh my mind and I judged a, a photo competition and then I came back and I looked at it again. And I kind of saw things differently. So I think it's it's coming back and like integrating things that you're learning or things that you're seeing and, and realizing what are, you know, what are the photos that are obviously a, has to be a strong photograph, but also has to be a photograph that connects the narrative. Because if the narrative bounces all over the place, it gets a little bit confusing. And um, I think that that important part of that specific award is that there is a strong narrative and a thread, you know, a narrative thread that, that goes through in a way that makes sense visually and otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I totally get that. And, the, the fact, do you think when you started shooting together as a duo, did that, you know, really help your overall? So how, how long were you shooting on your own for before you started shooting as a, a duo? Um, I shot, so my first wedding ever was by myself was in, uh, when was that? November of 2014. And then well, 2013, November 2013, and then yeah. November, and then 2014. I think I had three weddings, so it didn't really have any work. Yeah. Um, 2015 is kind of when it started for me, and that's when I think I shot like 12 weddings, and then it just kept going up from there. So I would say like really shooting from 2015, um, but my first wedding was in November of 2013. Right, okay, and then we cool. started shooting together in 2016 okay cool cool and do you do you think you know because i just find it interesting you know, hearing different people's opinions on shooting solo or shooting as a duo do you know has it do you think it was really really helped your coverage at, you know shooting as a, as a two-person team i yeah for us i think it has like Roque has a he's you know obviously like the process for for anyone in in, in this type of uh in documentary photography or reported reported as we say in, in American English. <laughs> cool. um, um, because I remember when I first heard you pronounce it, I was like, oh my God, yeah, it sounds so much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, it's, don't, I don't know. I don't know that I, there's no right way, is there? So I'm probably saying it wrong. I don't know. It's okay. Yeah, but it sounds so much more elegant. And also yeah. I don't even know if reported which is right in, in American English, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I'm just guessing. But um, we we yeah i mean i think that shooting together has been really beneficial in a lot of ways i really love to see how Roque's vision has developed and how he sees and what he sees and he sees a, i tend to have a little bit more of a, a stronger not stronger but like you know louder personality and Roque tends to be a bit quieter and introverted but um an observer he's definitely a, a strong observer so he's seen a lot so it's interesting to shoot. It's interesting for me to see when I'm calling is like, what what did he see within the moment, especially when we're shooting a, a similar moment, you know, and then I see what he saw and I see what I saw. And it's just such a reflection of who we are and our, our life experiences. Right. That's like so when we cool. shoot weddings. It's, yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, when we shoot weddings, we're not necessarily just shooting the wedding. We're not just shooting their story. Our story is going to be imprinted on there. It's going to be reflected within the photos that we make. Right. So. Mm, yeah it's, cool. it's interesting I, yeah I really enjoyed working together and for our coverage I feel like it's definitely made a more complete coverage because we can photograph all more aspects like reaction and action um, you know speeches it's not like I have to be 
photographing the bride and groom and reactions, bride and groom, speech giver, you know. So mm, you got to focus on one thing and be a little bit more creative within that and take a little bit more liberty to get some safe shots and then try and take some risks. And then he has the same option with if he's shooting reactions, for example. Mm, that sounds cool. It makes total sense. And yeah, as you're saying, I think that must be really interesting going through a call and seeing sometimes images from the similar moment, but seeing the different ways that you both capture it or the, the slightly different elements that you've captured of that moment. I think that's so interesting. Absolutely. It's really interesting. And there's moments where I remember I was like, you know, trying to get his attention or something like, come over here. And he's ignoring me. And I'm like, oh, why is he ignoring me? And then like, I see the photo and I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah. you you wrote a great This Is How piece for us a while ago where you talked oh, exactly. Right. Yeah, you captured a certain shot, which is awesome with the, the dog on the uh, the, the bride's dress. Um, it's, just, it's a great read. And if, if anyone's listening to this, you know, was running or something, head head to thisreportage.com and I'll include um, a link to, to it in this uh, podcast transcript, that which you'll find there as well. Um, but one quote, which I particularly love, and you, you said... Um, for me, when I first arrive and begin shooting a wedding, it's important to get to know the people and animals present. It's a time that allows for observation while shooting, which can assist in being able to predict behaviors for future moments throughout the day's celebrations, which I think is such yeah. a great quote. Can you tell us a bit more Thank about you. that and your, your approach there? Yeah, I mean, I think that the first like when I first arrived there, it's I'm not like, okay, I'm ready to shoot and I'm going to make like a kick-ass photograph right now, you know? It's like I get there and I'm aware that I'm in a, I'm in, it's like an exercise, you know? Uh, I, I I see it as like the the vinyasa of my yoga practice, like the, <laughs> the, the sun salutations, if you will, within the context of, of yoga. Uh, so you get there and it's it's the warm-up, right? So you, the warm-up includes uh, not only shooting and kind of getting in a space to, to compose and see light, I think there's a little adaptation phase there and that's what that is. And then also at the same time is getting to know who these people, who these people really are. You know, we, we have conversations always with our clients beforehand. Often we have destination weddings, so it's usually on a call. And, you know, we ask a lot of very specific questions that are uh, specific to getting to know who they are as people, their story, the, the family dynamics, things that I feel like are important to be able to document uh, for us to, to document the way that we do. To, um, and then for things to go smoothly as well at the same time, as smoothly as, as they can. Um, and, and uh, but yeah, at the same time, you know, it's a warm up um, to get to know them in person because getting to know someone over the phone is totally different than in person. So you just have to, I feel like for us, we get there, we're observing like their interactions, who they are, who everyone is. Um, they've told us who everyone is and their names, but we don't necessarily have a face. Mm -hmm. So figuring out map, you know, doing those mental maps uh, and, and then at the same time, like warming up our, our mind and being able to, to be able to see these compositions coming together moments, um, light. And, and so, yeah, I feel like when we first get there, it's kind of a little bit of all of that mixed into one. Mm -hmm. And cool. yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's great. I love hearing you talk about about your approach and your work. It's great. And yeah, as I say, people uh, do head to the site, and I'll include a link to that. This is how piece because it's a really a really great read. Uh, it's brilliant. Um, uh, cool. Let's go on to a question. I I do ask this quite often, but I like this question. I just find it just interesting. Uh -huh. So, <laughs> um, yeah. What 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 does it mean to be successful to you? You know, what is success to you, Nicole? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a hard question. <laughs> it is hard. Um, yeah, like success in general in life, I would say, um, you know, finding balance, finding uh, inner peace, finding a space um, 
that feels like a good space to live life from. And then also I think the continual path of, of personal work and understanding who we are, what we're doing and and that process, of course, like not every day doing these crazy self-analysis, but you know, integrating yeah. it and and having it be a part of, of your experience. And in terms of work, um, I mean, I think that success is relative, right? To mm-hmm. to what to what we what our goals are in a moment. I don't think that like there's a specific I think it can change over time and I think it can be static and evolve. I don't think I necessarily like have a specific idea in my head of of what success means professionally. Um, I know it feels good to, to be able to get weddings and book weddings and, and shoot them. And it feels, of course, that's a, that's a great feeling, but I don't think that that's everything, right? Yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah, I think that's a really hard and complicated question. I don't know if I have an answer that would necessarily satisfy it at this oh, point no, in time. You were, <laughs> you were answering that. I think you were answering that really well. And I think, as you say, it's not something that's static as well. And it evolves all the right. time. And yeah, yeah, it's all just very interesting. Yeah, it is. And you mentioned that, you know, obviously it does feel good um, having weddings booked in. And it does because we get to uh, feed ourselves as well and uh, pay the right. more things. Um, and what, exactly. what, what, what what do you think is what is the secret or what what has been a good referrer of you know a source of wedding bookings for you particularly you know do you put a time into social media or you know advertising what's been what's key for you in getting your in your bookings yeah we get um, quite a few bookings through instagram where people have looked at specific hashtags Oaxaca doesn't have that like our wedding industry in the last two years really blew up here for destination weddings right now it's on pause obviously but uh, so the hat and there wasn't that many photographers here and that there's more like every every year there's more but there weren't that many and so Instagram was a good using specific hashtags people really looked for those to look for vendors Um, and then Google and and wedding coordinators here so we work with um quite a few local wedding coordinators who are wonderful and we're really lucky yeah to have a solid wedding community here small and solid that's a small city with your um, wedding coordinators that you mentioned there did you proactively ever you know reach out to them uh to, to to arrange a working relationship or is it just after you've shot a wedding with them then they recommend you you know was it a natural thing or how how did that happen yeah, I would say it's more the latter. That after working together, um, you know, I would of course give them photographs and say like, or you know, share the gallery with them and let me know if you guys want some photographs and give them photographs to use on their website and their social media. And then at the same, you know, I think that they realize also like we we turn in our work on time. We're very um, we're very we communicate a lot with our clients. They don't have to do anything for us and um so i think that's less work for them as well right yeah that's Um, so true yeah (laughs) yeah. so i think they've valued that some but also just like we have good working relationships and pretty solid connection with with most of them that's cool yeah it's so personable skills you know just just interpersonal skills are so important in in life and in business Mm. yeah absolutely agree with that so a lot of the couples uh, maybe that you shoot, probably, do you maybe haven't met? The, well, um, the first meeting is probably, is it via Skype a lot of the time then? Yeah, most of the time it's yeah via Skype, Zoom, WhatsApp, mm. uh, video call of some sort. Uh, yeah, so that's usually our first meeting. We definitely require that. We've had we had a couple of weddings in the past where like it just was not able to happen. A video call, we we're like, okay, well, we need to have a call. <laughs> if you don't want to be on video, that's fine. Yeah. But we have to talk. 
Because, yeah, we don't, most of them aren't in Oaxaca. They're in other places of Mexico or other countries. Okay. So, yeah, we definitely uh, require a call, and it's usually a video call. And how do you get on with those video calls? Have you got any tips? Because I just know some people find Skypes or video calls as very nerve-wracking or, you know, don't know how really how oh, to yeah. approach them. Do you have a, you know, how do you approach those kind of meetings with, with clients? Yeah, I love them, to be honest. I'm, like, That's super cool. stoked. As soon as I get on the call, I'm like, yes, let me tell you about what we do because yeah. I'm excited about it, you know? That's cool, um, yeah. But I usually, like, you know, I have a format that I follow, like, introduce myself, ask them some questions about who they are, you know, about their wedding, where it will be, you know why Oaxaca or why other place in Mexico and then from there I just um, kind of put some structure to it like hey well I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about what we've done some of the things I've you know gone over in the email but just to like you know further elaborate and then you guys can then we'll have a time where you guys can ask me any questions and then we can just kind of take it from there but I definitely try and put in the beginning a structure so they understand anything else further along in the conversation that I might refer back to. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good, good, good advice. That's cool, cool. Um, what What's the most bizarre or funniest thing that you've seen at a wedding? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, Oaxaca weddings can be really elaborate, so okay. <laughs> there can be like a lot of fireworks. We have something called the Kalenda, which is like a, it's, it's a traditional street parade, but adapted to more modern wedding context. Uh, so it's like, I don't know, if, have you ever um, seen a wedding in New Orleans or been to New Orleans by chance? I had never been. No, I'd love to, but no. It's no. a cool city. They have something similar called the Second Line, which is like a brass band parade in the street for uh, for celebration as well during like uh, Mardi Gras. And then they've adapted it to weddings as well. Or maybe it already was in weddings. I actually don't know the history of it that, that specifically. But in Oaxaca, we have a similar thing where it's um, right after the ceremony, the calenda, it's like, traditional dancers in their in their clothing and then different um a band as well and so they play music in the street and dance in the street and the rest of the wedding goes with them dancing there's mezcal and it takes you from the ceremony to the reception wow that's very cool is, so that's that, for mo most of, is that most of the weddings you shoot have that then do they oh yeah like 99 percent. oh wow that's cool yeah cool. Yeah, it's a really cool experience. It's really fun. Like people will be like, oh, because most guests don't know about it beforehand, or even if they do know, they don't understand what it is. And so they're afterwards, they're always just like, oh my God, that was so cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, isn't it? As you know, what a job that we have and you have that you're experiencing something like that, you know, a lot of weekends. It is very cool, isn't it? We see so it many is. different things in this job. But it is it cool. really is. Yeah, it's, it can be is highly addictive. One of your images I think, is like a jumping dog. Um, is that from that kind of time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's so when did he? So that dog's called Masafan. He was, we actually had this elopement with, it was like a really small wedding slash elopement of like seven guests or something. And it was in May of 2018, was it? Or 17? I think it was 18, 2018. And that was the first time we saw him. He's a street dog. And he was like, as soon as the, because in the calenda, there's also fireworks. So the dancer has a fireworks construction on their head in a basket and they dance with it and there's fireworks that go off. And so every Masipan would like jump up and whenever the fireworks would go off and would like try and get the fireworks. And so he would just jump and jump and it looked like he was dancing because he would do 360s. And so he That's became cool. super famous. And we have a festival in Oaxaca called La Galeguesa where the, the different regions of Oaxaca are represented in their their culture and dancers they're represented in in a dance festival that's um, during two weekends and then you have parades in the streets it's it's canceled this year and you know because mm -hmm. of the pandemic but it's usually in july 
And uh, so he got even more famous when he was dancing in the Galagueta Calendazi. And so then after that, we started seeing him in tons of weddings in last year, 2018. And, or was it 2018? Both, 2018-19. And, and then he got adopted, luckily. And then, you know, he hasn't been out in the streets since um, Day of the Dead of last year because, you know, it's stressful for the dancers when they're trying to dance with fireworks on their head and then there's a dog jumping up on them. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that's quite a stressful situation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So they asked for him to like not be present because it was, you know, it was getting dangerous for them sometimes. He wasn't trying to bite them, but like he's a big dog. Mm. And <laughs> so he was adopted, which is awesome. He was um, very fortunate to be adopted. And so yeah, I haven't seen him on the streets maybe since November or October of last year. Well, that's cool. He's yeah. got a home then. That's no, that's cool. Yeah. It's a great image that is. And that's, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that I you're, love that one. <laughs> yeah, it's cool that you're seeing something like that so often. That's really cool. Um, yeah. has, has there, Nicole, has there been a specific kind of turning point in your career? You know, something, perhaps a certain wedding or an award or anything that's had a major impact on your career at all? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is lots of, I feel like there were lots of, of moments like that have happened or it's just like had a click or something suddenly made sense. Um, I, I don't know, I can't give you exact date, but like I remember the moment of when like all of a sudden my brain was seeing composition differently, like the, the components coming together, like a puzzle kind of, you know, and, and, and being able to see like how to compose, how to clean in the back, the backgrounds in the moments and being able to actually execute that. Um, I, I would say that's probably like 2018-ish, end of 2018, or maybe earlier. I don't know. But being able to see that all happening in the moment, I think oh, that cool. was a big... Like, and did that come, do you think that just, did that just come just from kind of constant practice or did you go to certain workshops or anything? Or was that just, yeah, did that just evolve to that kind of moment? I think it was just practice. Like I practice a lot during normal normal times. Um, I would, you know, I shoot in the street at least once a week, yeah. and then I sh I photograph um, our dogs a lot at our house. Try to make interesting photos of dogs, which is really hard for me to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I try, um, and uh, and. Yeah, I mean, I think the practice, I think it's just the practice. There's like, there's this this quote that's used in, in yoga a lot as uh, practice and um, what is it? Practice and all is coming. And I think the same can be applied to, to any endeavor, really, whether it be athletic or whether it be, you know, creative. Um, not that there's not creativity in, that, in, in the athletic area, but, you know, it, I think it can apply to everything. And all, all of a sudden I have the same thing in my in my yoga practice is that all this, I've been practicing, practicing the same series over and over. And all of a sudden I can just do it. You know, this posture that I was like, oh, wait a sec, I couldn't do that, you know, yesterday. And I think the same thing happens with me with photography. I found the more and more I practice, they just have these moments where all of a sudden it just happens. Um, and, cool. yeah, and I feel like that's happened recently for Roque, too, in the last, like, year. Maybe, no, let's say, like, in 2019, for him, all of a sudden, like, I was like, whoa, that complication. Whoa, whoa, he's getting oh, a lot more complicated. Cool. And he's cleaning his background. He's, like, seeing what's going on behind everything in the moment while he's composing. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> that's cool that's very cool isn't yeah. it? Oh, I love that I yeah. love that about what we do because it is you, you know it is kind of creating pieces of art on the fly I know that sounds pretentious but it is it's so difficult to do and no, when that kind of clicks it's so, it's so rewarding yeah I love it it it's really right. is yeah it's like that dopamine hit you know like, yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> keep on doing this you know you need that reward to, <laughs> to continue <laughs> Definitely. Um, and as, as yeah. well as your as well as your wedding work you also shoot families in a documentary way is well um right. I, i've seen your family work which is awesome can you can you tell us about your your family side 
Yeah, I love it. I mean, I do the same exact thing. I have the same exact approach to, to families. I don't shoot that much in Mexico, actually, like hardly any. Um, I, okay. uh, I wouldn't say there's that big of a market here in Oaxaca for, for that style of photography. Right. And uh, within the family, with, within the family context, there's for weddings, but not so much for, for family. And so I shoot when I go home to California. I have uh, um, families that I shoot every year. A lot of people I grew up with. And yeah, just go into it with the same approach. Of course, like it's real. I learned um, the hard way, not the hard. I mean, it wasn't. I didn't get myself into a bad situation, but I remember like one of the first sessions I arrived to, and she was like, "Well, what do I do? What should I?" And I was like, oh, "I did not tell you anything ahead of time, did I?" <laughs> My bad. So I learned, you know, that the education part is important, which is something we do in weddings. I have to also, of course, do it in the family context. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we definitely do a lot of education around what to what we're doing. Um, you know, try and make them feel as comfortable as possible, and then. Actually, I, I, Rocker doesn't do this, doesn't do what families, I just do it. So I go in and I shoot with the same approach. And usually I would say that my average family sessions are around two to four hours. Okay. Uh, the longest one I've ever had was like 10 hours, which was awesome. Wow, yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah, well, half that... off to the family photographers that do like 24 hours. It's incredible. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, that's mad. Cool. That's, I think I love it. It's great hearing from you how you just approach it exactly the same way because it's still just about capturing those natural, um, you know, unposed moments, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's that's exactly what it is. And you, it's a good training as well for, for the mind, for, for how to see and, and learning to see in different light, in different contexts. Um, it's generally, you know, weddings tend to be a little bit more um, like, you know, prepared visually, like, you know, decorations and spaces and, and things like that. Like I would say the closest in a wedding context would be the getting ready time. And that would be the closest that has like the most in common with the family session because it can be quite chaotic and stuff everywhere and <laughs> people aren't in makeup yet necessarily or anything. <laughs> so, true. yeah, there's a lot of things, similar things and a lot of um, different aspects as well. Mm, that's cool. That was very cool. And yeah, I, I, I love the work that I've seen of yours. It's awesome. It's awesome. Thank, um, thank you. What I'd go back to going back to weddings. What advice, you know, would you give for people who have been shooting for, you know, for quite a few years, maybe five, six, seven years or more? And they're just, you know, maybe not that happy with their work or just not that happy with the points of in their career that they're at, at the moment. You know, do you, would you have any advice mm -hmm. for, for them? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If I, I haven't thought about that before. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess, like, something for me personally, when I've been in those spaces of just, like, looking at the work I'm producing, and maybe people are, other people are loving it, but I'm not, and I'm not feeling motivated by it, inspired by it. Mm. Um, I've found that looking more at me as a person and personal things that are coming up for me personally, um, again, going back to the, to the personal work, and kind of going back into that space to try and, you know, maybe there's some things that I need to address there. And and then from there, there can be some changes within my work. I think they're really connected. Um, but also, of course, like within the context of photography, when we're feeling bored by it or not inspired by it, I think part of it could be, you know, taking a, an introspective look at yourself um, in the present and maybe aspects of the past. I think that trauma is always, you know, coming in waves into our present life and, and and then um, can affect us in, in a lot of ways in creativity, create in, in creativity as well can, can be affected. So I think that's one part. And then I think the other part is like, try something new, you know, take some risks, do something maybe you haven't done before. Um, go out and shoot in the streets, that helps me a lot. Like when I'm feeling overwhelmed or, you know, anxiety with work or just a lot of work or stressed, I often 
Well, I do I do a lot of breath breath work, but I also like to just go out in the street and and shoot and kind of find the pattern. Because I don't know if you have this experience, but I always have it in weddings. Like the warm up phase is like so it's such an aware space for me. It's probably the most most present that I am during the wedding. It's like during the warm up. Okay. And then once you get my once I get my rhythm, like it's like it's like you know peak performance in with athletes. It's like then you get into a a physical, mental, psychological rhythm where you're. Mm. you're I feel like it's like, like of course it's waves. It's not just like up, up, up. You get to peak peak creativity and then down. You know, it's like I feel like it's weddings are longer than than generally like running a marathon, for example. That's true. Well, I don't know actually. I've never ran a marathon. But <laughs> <laughs> no, me. Pretty long. As well. Yeah. <laughs> I hate but, uh, running. Oh, I hate running. I hate running too. I used to run actually. I used to be a runner in college and okay. high school. I ran a lot, but not anymore. Okay. What yeah. kind of distance did you used to do? What long or short distances? Or? Yeah, I would mostly do sprints. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that, that's more manageable. Although it's still running, and I still yeah. don't. Like yeah, you can kind of get it over with faster it's a benefit um, okay let's go to a, a lighter question um nicole let's go to a lighter question what what is something that you hate but that most people seem to love oh interesting um actually i have a, i have i know exactly my answer olives oh really yeah <laughs> yeah i mean if that i mean in terms of food i guess that's the first thing that comes to mind um i can't stand olives really just can't deal with them so <laughs> oh, super strong tasting they? they take over everything if you have an olive on a piece of pizza. I, I can't deal i actually one time i posted this thing on facebook i think it was like four or five years ago and i was like all the haters and i was like oh my god this is a thing i posted it and then a friend of mine um who's from a place in spain where they're like super famous for their olives he wrote me and he was like yeah well you have not been to my village because in my yeah. village you would love olives and he got quite offended by it Oh, that's, pretty, that's, that's a good answer I think olives is a good answer and I'm, I'm with yeah, you on thanks. that one I'm with you on that one um let's go to another one that's not such a light question but again something that I really like and find really interesting is um yeah. what what is happiness to you Nicole what is yeah what is what is happiness that is another interesting one um <laughs> So happiness is a lot of things, I think. Again, I think it could be a relative term. I think it's open to interpretation. I think that it has a lot to do with our context, right? Like how we're going to define happiness depends on maybe a bit of what we have and what we don't and what we, and you know, the, the idea of needing something that we don't have, that I think that can take away from happiness. I think maybe it's like a more of a physical state than influences a mental state, a psychological state and vice versa maybe um in terms of like naming specific things i don't know what happiness is for me i feel i feel happy when i'm creating for sure i feel happy making photographs um i feel happy with the challenge of of creating in general and then also specifically within the context of photography i feel happy in my yoga practice for sure um it's been definitely something that's been really helpful for me during the pandemic, <laughs> keeping oh, me balanced. Um, but again, I think it's a relative thing. I don't think I have like an answer of what happiness is specifically. I think I experience moments of happiness throughout my life and, and I'm very grateful for that. And, um, yeah, I think it's an evolutionary, and, and uh, no, that's not the right word. Um, I think it's a, 
um, a state that that you go in and out of and experiences. And I think a lot of the time, like, you know, like a lot of time I'm like, oh, this thing made me so happy or this experience made me so happy. And I think that often also they're connected to past experiences because I think a lot of like how we interpret and experience our present are is a reflection of, of experiences that are maybe subconscious experiences, but that okay. brought us joy at some point. The way we would define happiness is like over time, right? It's not like you're born with an idea of happiness. Mm, yeah. um, and then that can come from experience and that can also come from like the outside world and conditioning and social conditioning and influence and um yeah, I don't know if that's, that made it. No, that's sense. great. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. It's honestly so interesting, so interesting, and that's great. Cool. Um, Nicole, we've got I, I've got time just for one last question. Um, this has been it's been so lovely talking to you. Thank you so Hi. much. Um, so your work is ace. I've loved your work for, since the first time I've Thank seen you. it. So what? Let's for the final question. Let's say, what would be your top tips to help someone? get better at the documentary side of wedding photography specifically? I have to say practice. That's like, for me, it's been everything. I'm, I'm speaking again from my personal experience and I would say practice is, is everything. Practice and, and through practice, you know, not just going out and shooting, but going out and shooting and really taking a look at your photographs and what worked and why. Like, why did I, you know, questioning, why did I shoot that? If that photograph doesn't work when I look back on it, or if nothing I took that day on the street, what happens to me? You know, I'll shoot for two hours in the street and I'll come back and like nothing. Rest. I'm just like, what was I thinking? How did I not see that light pole? You know, that lamp coming out of that guy's head. <laughs> and so once I've seen that, you know, that I wasn't even paying attention to my background. Okay, so I'm going to go back out tomorrow and I'm going to practice. I'm going to focus on cleaning my backgrounds, you know. So I think that 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 learning that aspect of it. And then also, I think the other important part in terms of documentary photography is is definitely um, taking the time to get to know who you're photographing and who they are and and also not imposing your narrative on on their wedding story um i think it can happen sometimes you know of course during like the newlywed photos which we do um during that newlywed photo time or just couple time however you want to call it the there's uh, we direct and we di we tell them where to stand and all that but there's a lot of moments that are happening in between that i think that we need to also like pay attention to and photograph mm. um but uh, yeah, I mean, fine. We don't impose narrative apart from from that from that time, oh, and then yeah. also, and also during the family photos, like the formals, I'll photograph them, and then Rocky will be photographing what's going on around. But other than that, I think it's really important. That, like you know, we have moments like where like the bride is walking, and maybe like she drops her flowers, and you want to rush in to help. It's like no, step back. You have to train your brain sometimes because we have an automatic unconscious reaction to go and help right mm, to, to make life easier for the bride we're you know and often i mean i've done it in the past many times where i'll go in and try and intervene and i'm like i had to train myself She's like no nope, let her struggle <laughs> she's got this <laughs> pick up her bouquet and it's going to be a great photo it could be a great photograph because i didn't mm -hmm. go and try to intervene and then there are moments that i'm that i can remember where i went and intervened and i was like oh man i missed the moment now <laughs> you know <laughs> so of course that came from practice um and I think that that practice is important for me I do most like I mentioned mostly a practice in street photography and then um, stuff here at my house with, with my husband and and our dogs and neighbors and yeah 
that's cool oh i think that, that's brilliant advice brilliant advice oh nicole thank you so much that's oh it's yeah, been honestly oh no thank you for your time and openness and knowledge there and just sharing it was it was brilliant thank you um yeah if anyone's listening to this they'll be um ahead to this reportage.com if you're listening whilst whilst running you know you might be one of those people that lo- actually yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> no no offense no offense at all um yeah head to this reportage.com i'll I'm, I'll include lots of examples of Nicole's work and uh, link to her website and the This Is Hell piece as well. And yeah, thank you so much. And ho- hopefully I'll get to, to meet you one day. That would be cool. Yeah, thank you, Alan. I really enjoyed uh, the conversation and I hope to meet you too. Oh, yeah. you And you. Stay safe. Thanks so much, Nicole. That was fab. Yeah, you too. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 39th episode of the This Is Reportage podcast. It was fab talking to Nicole. Hope you enjoyed listening. Head to thisisreportage.com to see examples of her work and link to her website, as well as the This Is How piece she wrote for us that we mentioned in the episode. We also have 38 other episodes of the podcast released with photographers such as Pedro Villela, Sam Docker, Jill Streefland, Alison Bounce, Fabio Marula and more. If you're not yet a member of TIR, check out all the benefits of joining us, including an unlimited number of images on your profile, 60 reportage award and 18 story award entries per year, invites to our physical meetups and parties, exclusive discounts, hours of educational videos featuring tips and advice from some of the world's best photographers, and much more. Just a quick heads up that there won't be a podcast episode next week, as we'll be announcing the results of both our wedding and family site awards, which is very exciting. No poses, nothing staged. This is Reportage. And this is bye for now. Mm-hmm.